I'm Todd Starnes. I have the privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly. Today, we have a special guest, Reverend Glenn Beaver. He is a superintendent of the West Texas Assemblies of God. It is a joy to have him today. I hope you enjoy this special message. Remember, if you would like more information about us, go to odessafirst.com. Also, you can go to any of the social media platforms. Let's jump right into today's message. If you have your Bibles this morning, would like to uh, follow along with me, you can turn to the book of Luke, uh, chapter number 24. I believe they've given you a handout this morning. For all you OCDC folks this morning, I will endeavor to fill out every blank, okay? And uh, if I miss one, come to me after the service. We'll see if we can find it and uh, go from there this morning. I'd like to visit with you this morning and bring you some highlights from a part of a message that was preached by the ultimate preacher, and his name is Jesus. Think about this for a moment. I'm going to preach to you this morning a sermon that has already been preached. As a matter of fact, it's about 2,000 years old. Yeah. When you read Luke chapter 24, you discover that Jesus is on a journey. He is taking a hike. He is leaving Jerusalem, going to a place called Emmaus. And along the road, he comes across a couple of fellows that are walking. All of this is occurring after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As he begins to walk along with them, he hears the discussion that they're having about what has occurred in recent days back in Jerusalem. They're talking about how that uh, Jesus had come. He had been a great teacher. He had performed many, many miracles. They had seen uh, the multiplying of the fish. They had seen the raising of the dead. They had seen the sight uh, coming back to those that could not see. They had seen and understood how that the deaf were hearing. And just many, many things that they had heard uh, Jesus do and witnessed uh, on that occasion. But as they walked along, it seemed that they had a little misunderstanding about who this Jesus really was. And so as we look at this passage this morning, I'm only going to lift one verse. You can read the context of this story this morning, beginning at verse 13 of Luke 24. But I'm not going to take the time to read all of that. But I want to go down to verse 27 this morning. Verse 27 of Luke 24, because these are some words that uh, uh, are relayed to us by the physician Luke. And he says that this is what Jesus was saying to them. Luke says, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. Now you understand what the word all means. In the Greek, the word all means A-L-L, all. <laughs> in West Texas, in Odessa this morning, the word all means from cover to cover. From Genesis to Malachi. That's the Old Testament. That's what they had at their disposal. That's what Jesus studied. That's what he knew. That's what he had memorized. That's what he was quoting back to the uh, scribes and Pharisees in the temple at the age of 12 when they were confounded by his wisdom and his knowledge and his understanding 
of the scripture. That's what was being talked about. Now, there's really no record as to exactly what Jesus was saying to these men, but it's interesting to consider some of the things that he may have said with the understanding this morning that we do not have sufficient time to share with you everything that he may have said, right? Pastor Todd said, I'm welcome to preach as long as I want to. You folks leave at 12. So if I'm going real good at 12 o'clock and you leave, please leave quietly, and that way I can just keep going, okay? (laughs) Thank you for hanging in there with me this morning. Amen. I want to simply suggest to you this morning some of the things that Jesus may have said. Where did Jesus start with every one of us in the room this morning? He didn't necessarily start talking about going to heaven. He didn't necessarily start talking about... um, a death and burial and resurrection and those kind of things. I believe Jesus started with these two men at the same place that he begins with all of us, and that is back in Genesis chapter 3. Turn to Genesis chapter 3 if you'd like to this morning. I want us to recognize some things that the Lord has uh, uh, laid out here because the Bible says, beginning with Moses, beginning with Moses, And then all the prophets, he explained to them the things that were written about himself in all the scriptures. Jesus began with Moses and possibly said to them the same thing that he has said to each and every one of us in this room this morning. First of all, we must acknowledge our sin. Every person in this room. Every person who comes to name the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior must acknowledge that we are sinners. Now we are sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen? We are sinners saved by the grace of God. So Jesus began with helping them to understand, listen gentlemen, you need to understand that you must acknowledge your sin. In Genesis chapter 3, Moses writes of the uh, schemes of the devil. Look at verse number 1, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God really said, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? You see, friends, the same thing that the devil tried to use on Adam and Eve, he tries to use on us today, and that is simply doubt. Has God really said? Has God really said that he's going to supply all your need? Has God really said that he's going to heal your broken body? Has God really said that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, has God really said that if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, has God really said when you do those two things, you will be saved? I can say to you this morning, yes, that's what he said. Doubt. Well, I don't know if God's going to meet my need or not. You know, I've got a lot of bills this week, Pastor. You know, you don't know what I'm facing. I just heard this past week that they're going to be laying off guys at work. I just heard last week that the company is going to be downsizing. You don't know what I'm facing. Doubt. The devil tries to bring doubt in there. Doubt is still the tool that the devil is trying to use against us today. Has God really said? And here Jesus is beginning to share with these men that there is a sin nature that is born, and it is born out of doubt. If I call on the name of the Lord, will he hear me? 
I like your answer. Yes, he will. Why do we know he will? Because he has answered you time and time again. Look at verse number 6 of Genesis 3. We find here that the sin nature is born in man, and man has been dealing with that sin nature ever since that day. Well, you know, Pastor Todd, I, I really had a rough week this week. I think I'll just sleep in this morning, not get up and go to church. That's the sin nature, trying to get us to yield to the flesh. Trying to get us yield to the wishes of our own heart and our own fleshly desires. Verse 6 says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. And that it was a delight to the eyes. Notice these things. She saw that it was a tree that was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes. And that it was a tree that was desirable to make one wise. Why would you not want to eat that? Because God said not to. Hello. Yeah. Cut to the chase. She took some of its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband uh, with her, and he ate. You see, human nature at first was right with God. Now, we don't know how many days between Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. We just don't know what that time span is. But from Genesis 1, 1 until Genesis 3 and 6, man was right with God. Because the Bible says that God came in the cool of the day and walked there and visited and communed with Adam and Eve as they were in the garden that God had created. Then sin came. We're still dealing with that sin nature every day of our lives. But Jesus teaches us how to deal with the sin nature. He taught us that in the wilderness. Don't do it now, but later on you can read Luke chapter 4. You find there that Jesus was tempted on three occasions by Satan himself. And what did Jesus come back with to the devil, every time he tempted him, he came back to him with the word of God. And Jesus said, it is written. Friends, this morning when we recognize the sin nature and we acknowledge the sin nature, we can come against the power of the devil in our hearts, in our lives, in our circumstances. We can come against him with the word of God. That's why it's so important for you to know the word, friends. That's why pastor stands behind this sacred desk and preaches you the unsearchable riches of the truths of God's holy word. Why? Because he wants to instill that in your heart and in your life. David cried to the Lord and said, Let God help me to hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. We have to acknowledge our sin. In this passage we find that God came seeking man. That's in contrast to Matthew 2 and 2 when we read the story of the wise men coming from the east seeking the Savior. And they came and they said, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Friends, this morning God came seeking Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. And they had hid themselves. And he said, where are you, Adam? 
God knew where he was. But God wanted Adam to acknowledge where he was. Where are you this morning? I said, where are you today? Where are you in your relationship with the Lord? Where are you in your walk with God this morning? Are you as close to God as you ought to be? Are you as close to God as you want to be? Are you walking daily, moment by moment, day by day with the Lord Jesus Christ? Friends, that is where we can be this morning as we walk in the presence of God. Acknowledge our sin. Come seeking God, not just God seeking us. We must acknowledge our sin. I think possibly a second thing that Jesus may have talked to these gentlemen about is that he wanted them to know that there is a remedy for sin. There is a remedy for sin. Yes. You know, sometimes in our world, we've heard this, best way to deal with a problem is to identify what the problem is and then to find the solution. I can tell you this morning, friends, that the remedy for sin is Jesus. It is Jesus. By the time we read down to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, we hear these words as God calls out and explains to us how that he's going to restore this relationship that's been broken back in verse 6. God says, I've got a plan. As a matter of fact, God had this plan before Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. If you'll go back in your Bible and read just above verse 1 of Genesis 1, you'll find these words, that Jesus was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. No, you're not going to find it there, but that is Scripture. It's over in the New Testament. (laughs) What, What am I saying? God had a plan. I said, God had a plan. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan this morning for every person in this room. And our desire ought to be, oh Lord, help me determine what your plan is for me. Hear what God has for my life and then begin to live out that plan. God has a remedy for sin. We find here in in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible says, And I will make enemies... Of you and the woman and of your offspring and her descendant. He shall bruise or crush you on the head. And you shall bruise him on the heel. You see it may have been along about this time that Jesus began to explain to these guys. Explain to them the scripture over in the book of Numbers chapter 21. It was an occasion when God was dealing with the children of Israel and he was working with them about the sin that they were committing and how that there were fiery serpents in the land that they were living. And the Lord said to them in Numbers chapter 21 and verse 8, he said, the Lord said uh, to Moses, make a fiery serpent and put it on a flagpole and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten and looks at it will live. So Moses made a brazen serpent, put it on a flagpole, and it came about that if a, a serpent bit someone and he looked at the brazen serpent, he lived. The word look there simply means to believe. To believe. If thou shalt believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. 
to believe. He makes it as simple as possible for us to recognize and to understand and to receive this remedy for sin in our lives. The children of Israel confessed their sin to the Lord and Moses made this serpent of brass and he placed it on a pole and when the Israelites looked upon it, they lived. Now we can translate this into the New Testament context. You understand this morning, friends, that the Old Testament is pointing forward to the cross. That's why Jesus said, and Luke records, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them all the scriptures that pertain to himself. What was he doing? He was simply taking the types and symbols of the Old Testament and saying now in the New Testament, in the life of Christ, through the life of Christ, is the reality of what we see the pictures of in the Old Testament. It's called types and symbols. And so when you read the Old Testament, you must understand that it's pointing toward the New Testament and the work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. This brass serpent is symbolic of Jesus taking our sin and nailing it to the cross in our place. And everyone in the room said, Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. He took your sin. He took my sin. He nailed it to the cross. He took it there and he bore it in our place. Is it any wonder that the New Testament records for us how that on the afternoon of the death, the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, that there was a space of about three hours that darkness covered the face of the earth and thunder rolled. There rolled. There's all kinds of theories from theologians about what was going on at that time. My friends, today, just as it was then, God refuses to look on sin, but He says, if you will deal with it and accept my remedy I will remove it from you as far as the east is from the west he says I'll throw it in the sea of forgetfulness he says I'll never remember it against you again hallelujah our sins are forgiven now let me speak just a moment about the reality of where we live how many of you ever recall any bad thing you've ever done in your life yeah we all do it from time to time did you know that that's not God? I said that's not God. Because once it's under the blood, he said that's done. It's finished. I'll never remember it against you again. Sometimes I believe that's not even the devil. Now listen. We give the devil way more credit than he deserves. I said, we give the devil way more credit than he deserves. Most of the time, that's just my noodle thinking. And every time my noodle thinks, I get me, myself in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's just the flesh. Sure, we have those memories. 
But we, we need to remind the devil. We need to remind ourselves. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to dwell on that. I can't keep those thoughts from sometimes passing through my mind, but I don't have to stop and dwell on them and agonize over them and get all upset about them because I know that I have come to the foot of the cross. I have asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin. My sin is under the blood. My past is washed away. I stand whole in Jesus Christ this morning. Thanks be to God that the remedy for sin, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Listen to what Hebrews says about this. In, in Hebrews chapter 9, it says, For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he has entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often or time and time again. As the high priest enters the holy place year by year with the blood that is not his own. Otherwise he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the consummation of the ages. He has been revealed to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is destined for people to die once, and after this comes judgment, so Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly wait for Him. We have sang about it this morning. Friends, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? He is coming again are you ready this morning hallelujah yes he is coming I said he's coming the key answer for every person in this room today and all those that are watching by live stream this morning is are we ready I said are we ready are you looking for his coming because he is coming you see since the fall of man in Genesis 3 everyone has known the bite of sin Romans 3 and 23 simply says that all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6 and 23 says that the wages of that sin is death. But the gracious gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God today that He has made a provision. He has made a provision. He has made the remedy for sin. You see, I believe that there are times that your pastor prays for you. And he says, listen, you must look for the remedy for forgiveness of sin. And his name is Jesus. He provided it on the cross. You see, Jesus became sin for us was nailed to the cross of Calvary. And if we'll simply look to him and believe on him, he will save and, he, and we will live throughout eternity. Galatians 3 reflects it this way in Paul's writing to that church. He said that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. 
in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham would come on the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus took our sin on himself and he nailed that sin to the tree and said, look to me and live. In order to walk with Jesus, friends, we must acknowledge our sin and accept that God has a remedy for sin. And when we do that, then we will have the assurance of his presence. The assurance of his presence. In Exodus 32 and 33, Moses is writing of the occasion when Israel had to suffer the consequences of their actions by demanding that Aaron make them a golden calf. Moses told the Lord that if he was not going to go with them, that, you know, I don't want to be any part of the trip either. You know, most every Sunday morning, Betty and I, get in our car and we drive out to one of our churches here in West Texas and just like we've done this morning and one of our processes in that time is that we pray together and we just simply ask the Lord to keep his hand on our automobile to keep it in good working order and to watch and to watch the opposing traffic you see it's the other guy that's out to get you <laughs> just drive in Lubbock or Odessa okay yeah yeah. In 2008, I had a three-quarter ton pickup try to get in the front seat with me at an intersection in Lubbock. And so my grandchildren bought me a t-shirt that says, I stopped for green lights. <laughs> yeah, you don't ever want to start on green because there's going to be some dude that runs it red the other way. What I'm trying to say here simply is this morning that we pray that God would be with us. He'd keep his hand upon us. And he has done that through the years. You might say, well, you know, preacher, that's just a prayer of rote or whatever, prayer of repetition. I'd rather pray a prayer of repetition than no prayer at all. Hello. Listen to yourself today right before you eat lunch. And I'm not downing this, okay. Brother Mike, probably say grace. It's probably pretty well the same thing. But the Bible says that if we eat any deadly thing, not that your wife's out to get you, but if you eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt you, you know. And most of those prayers are kind of prayers. Yeah, we've prayed that prayer before, but it's okay to pray it again. You see, we are God's children. How many times has your child asked you for a Coke, a candy bar, stop at the ice cream stand and, you know... Don't laugh, Chase. You do it all the time. <laughs> Got to have a latte. Double shot, triple shot, quad. I don't even know what a shot is. <laughs> Betty and I just drink Folgers and we're happy campers, okay? What are we doing? What am I, what am I talking about? We listen to our children. We're all a part of the family of God. We're the children of God. Friends, when we talk to him, he listens. I said when we talk to him, he listens. We have the assurance of his presence. Moses said, I think it's about the 33rd chapter of Exodus. He said, now, God, I want you to show me your glory. 
And it may have been along about this time that Jesus took the opportunity to explain to these two men on the road to uh, Emmaus the meaning of God's conversation with, with Moses back in verse 21 of Exodus 33. I love this phrase. In the American Standard Bible, the Bible says that God said to Moses, Behold, there is a place by me. You see that? Behold, there is a place by me. And you shall stand there on the rock. Can I say to you this morning, friends, that there's a place by God? It's a place for us. I said it's a place for us. It's, the play, it's a place for you this morning. God says, I've got a special place by me. On my, right said, on my right hand, God says, I have Jesus. Now, you can, you can mess this up theologically any way you want to, okay? But I'm preaching, so I'll preach it this way, Brother Todd, okay? There is a place by me. I've often wondered if on the left hand is our place. Hello? If Jesus is on the right of God, who's on his left? It doesn't matter which side I'm on as long as I'm in his presence. And God says, there is a place by me, Moses. There is a place by me, and I want you to stand upon that rock. That rock this morning is Jesus. Listen to the, how the Hebrews puts it in chapter 1. Verse 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, and in many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son. Spoken to us in his son whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he also made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact expression and representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on, on high, having become so much better than the angels to the extent that he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Jesus is seated today at the right hand of the Father. Making intercession for you and I. He is our mediator. He is our go-between. He is our advocate. He is the one who is arbitrating our case before the Father this morning. Can you just imagine what was happening along about Acts chapter 6 or so when Stephen was being stoned? Imagine in your mind for just a moment as Stephen was having those rocks hurled at him. They were hitting him in the head and in the chest and in the body, and he was knelt down there as they were trying, and they were killing him. And he looked up in the, into heaven, and the Bible says that he saw heaven open, and he said, I see Jesus. 
Notice the position of Jesus. He even said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. My friends, I want you to know there are times in your life, in your life, in your life, and in your life when Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father and saying, Father, that's your child. That's my brother. That's my sister that's taking the onslaught of the enemy. And Jesus is saying, We've got to do something. We've got to do something. We've got to do something. And God says, that's it. Bring them home to glory. I want to close with a story this morning that's unfolding in these days. I need to be careful because we're live streaming today about how much of this I share. In parts of the world, there are people that are coming to Christ. They're coming to Christ because they've had a revelation of God. They've had a vision of Jesus. They've uh, had a dream. They're coming to find Christ as their personal Savior. There's a group of them in that part of the world that are coming out of the Muslim faith. And as they're coming out of the Muslim faith, their family members are kidnapping them. And they're taking them off from their friends, their Christian friends, their brothers in Christ. And they're torturing them and they're beating them and they're starving them and they're keeping them isolated for days on end. And I've heard reports about how that they've miraculously been released. On one occasion, one of the brothers spent several days confined. They were giving him very little to eat. He was in a solitary place in a room by himself. And one morning he got up and just noticed that the door was unlocked. And so he walks out and returns to his friends. In just recent days, one of those brothers was taken by his uh, family members. He was taken to uh, a location. Some of the imams and some of the prophets of Islam had come. Some of the apologists, they tried to read the Quran to him. They even brought his mother in. She, in weeping and tears, just say the word, deny Jesus, come back to the Muslim faith, and all will be well. He wouldn't do it. He said, no, I'll live for Christ. I'll die for him. Now, these friends, they're not looking to die and be martyrs for Christ. They're endeavoring to win their families to the Lord. Well, after several hours of this back and forth and him saying very little or him simply telling them, no, I'm going to stand for Christ, they took him out into a road. Several gathered around him with large stones and they were about to stone him to death. He knelt down and began to pray in the Spirit. And as the story is relayed, after some 15, 20 minutes, 
He had closed his eyes because he knew that the stones were going to start hitting him. The rocks were going to start pummeling, pummeling upon him. And he knew at any moment he would be dead and he would be with his Lord. But he began to pray in the Spirit. And as the story is related to us, after about 15 or 20 minutes, he opened his eyes and there was no one there. There was a pile of stones that they had gathered up to try to kill him with. But he said no. He said no to the world. He said no to falsehood. He said no to the things that are not of God. And he said yes to Jesus. And he got up from that place and he walked back to his home. My friends, this morning, that story is, is being repeated again and again and again in the world that you and I live in. Now, maybe not right here in Odessa. Maybe not right here in West Texas. Maybe not in Lubbock. But I want you to know this morning the devil is out to kill you. He's out to destroy you. But there is a God. I said there is a God this morning that says if you'll stand for me, if you'll live for me, he said I'll walk beside you. I'll kneel beside you when you're kneeling in the road and the devil's trying to kill you. I'll be with you in that automobile in 2008 when the devil tried to take my life and God said not my child. I don't take that lightly, friends. I said, I don't take that lightly. There were about four days in 2008, and that happened in the early part of December. I remember very little of Christmas that year because it just rattled my cage. There were about four days, Brother Mike, that I didn't know which end was up or down. Just in a fog. I just have little glimpses of memory. I still do not remember the accident. I can tell you, friends, the devil wants to take you out. But God is walking right beside you this morning. He's right with you today. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you for joining us today. Remember, you can go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms to find out more information about us. We also stream all of our services live on Facebook, YouTube, and our website. When you go to odessafirst.com, just click the Watch Live tab. We are praying for you. God bless you.